Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, good Saturday morning and welcome, welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Rich Orris, filling in today for Scott Mosby. And, you know, we've got everything you need for the next two hours. We can talk about your home, what's going on around your home, the cold, the weary. Boy, yesterday, was it cold? Like one of the coldest days of the year so far. We It's it could only possibly be getting colder later on. So what's this mean? Well, you know, your furnaces, your heaters, they're working hard. They're breaking down. They're having issues trying to keep up. So, you know, we can talk about a lot of stuff like that this morning. We can talk about anything going on around your house and much, much more. You can give me a call today right here for the next two hours, 314-436-7900 or 800 Two five eleven twenty from far away. So some other topics you ask we might have today. So I thought we could maybe spend some time in the bathroom today. Came up with a whole good list of, you know, some DIY ways to improve your bathroom without getting into a really big full, you know, remodel. Um, why when you remodel your bathroom, you may need to upgrade your electrical. We see that a lot. There's a lot with the codes going on with that. So we can talk about that. We can talk about some things that you shouldn't store or keep in your bathroom. You'll probably be very surprised by some of these items for sure. And aside from that, we have tons of information on top of that for you today. But as always, again, my primary job for everybody is to help you with whatever ails you around your home. Any comments, questions, concerns, anything you're curious about, any questions you may have with what's happening, I'm here for you today again for the next two hours, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. And, you know, usually we talk often about, you know, getting out, looking around, doing a walkabout, making sure things are okay around your house, making sure they look fine. And, and, you know, it's just as important, probably harder, but just as important to do on days like yesterday when it is so cold or after a day like yesterday to go around and make sure you don't see, you know, chunks of ice coming out of your exterior hose bib faucets. You don't see issues with the roof, the roof shingles, gutters hanging, things get icy that, you know, if it freezes in the gutters, you may see your gutters hanging, falling over, you know, things happening. I, a couple of years ago, um, I remember I was driving and I drove past actually my, my sister's house and, and I called her and I said, Hey, um, you know, I just drove past your house and I don't know if you guys would realize, but their gutter was actually hanging off the back of the house is kind of the backside of the garage. And she said, oh, gosh. Um, she's like, no, can you, you know, call call Sean, her husband, and just, you know, mention that. She said, because last night we did hear a noise and we didn't know what it was. And they have, um, 
They have solar panels, and we had gotten some snow, some ice, stuff like that for a few days. Well, apparently it's, you know, all slid off of these solar panels and just caught that that gutter and just about half-ripped this thing, hanging off the side of the house, had to get it fixed, didn't even realize. So just walking around and seeing what you see, you know, after you hear a sound, after, you know, there's bad weather, after it's been very, very cold, after, you know, during or after these things is is so important um, to to do and just kind of figure out. So let's get on the phone here with uh, Mildred and see what she maybe has noticed around her house. Mildred, are you with us? Can you hear me? Oh, looks like we lost or got some technical difficulties again here. So we'll uh, keep this going, but we'll get this figured out for you for sure. And Mildred, if you're out there, um, just feel free to call in again, and we'll see if we can't get you on here with everything. Um, so one other thing I did, th- you know, want to kind of cover is, um, you know, we go through each month. It's good to have a list, a list of things to do, uh, maintenance items to keep up with, and, you know, just to have this recycling kind of list that you do around your house. So when we look at, you know, coming up here very shortly in the next, you know, week and a half is, you know, February is is on the move here and getting very close to us. Um, for January, you know, we talked about um, things that we should do in January, pulling some warranties and manuals and going through them, making sure you've done the recommended maintenance on these, you know, all these different things that you own around your house, having a calendar and tracking the schedule of these maintenance, you know, that they say what to do to maintain and service different appliances and things for your house. Um, in, in one of them that, uh, you know, I had learned not too long ago is the, the newer washing machines. We had had the, you know, the same washing machine for, oh gosh, for 20 something years. And we got a new washing machine and, and figured out, you know, the hard way that you need to clean your washing machine and you should actually wash your washing machine so often to get out any of, you know, the sitting water molds, stuff like that. They recommend leaving the door open when you're not using it, all these different things. I was really surprised, you know, with this new washing machine. So there's a lot of things like that that you may not know about around Um, But, you know, this time of year, indoors, it's good to do some of these small indoor projects um, around the house and just get them kind of off the list and taken care of. Fixing um, squeaks in your floors is is one that's really good for this time of year as everything's kind of dried out and contracted and smaller and you can get that stuff secured and tightened and get rid of those squeaks. It, It will last for longer, not squeaking, if you do it this time of year. So um, going around, a good idea to make a room-by-room inventory of everything in your house. You could have it, you know, either photographs or videotape for your insurance. Um, like we like we mentioned a minute ago, cleaning, you know, keeping up with that furnace. Clean your furnace. I literally just yesterday had, um, you know, our office here at Mosby had an issue with the furnace. You know, it's it's very cold. It's working very hard. So our heating cooling guy called me and said, you know, hey, I just, are you at the office? And I'm like, no, I'm not there. You know, I'm out and about. And he's like, okay, I'm looking for, you know, somebody with some level of, of technical stuff that I could maybe try and guide them through something 
with the furnace to make sure it's not something really simple that goes on. And one of the very simple things is changing that furnace filter, not having it clogged up and restricting airflow. It just makes that furnace work even harder every way else. So, you know, he's like, oh, I was hoping you'd go look at something for me. And I got him in touch with one of the other guys there, you know, that that was at the office that could kind of look at this stuff because they're so inundated right now with the cold and with, you know, the, the lower that temperature gets, the more furnaces are going to break down and the busier they are going to be. And with labor shortages and all the stuff going on, you know, in today's world of remodeling and maintenance and everything we're doing, it's definitely harder for those guys. You got to be patient. And I know that when it's this cold and your furnace is out, whew, you know, who has time to be patient? It gets cold very, very quickly. So I think uh, while they're working on the phone lines and everything, we will get into our first break here for everybody out there. Feel free to give me a call, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. I'm here for you, and we'll be right back after this. All right, we are back again. Rich Orris filling in for Scott Mosby today. Always a pleasure to do so. Glad to be here. Glad to help out. Glad I could give Scott some time to accomplish things that he just needs to accomplish. Um, it's, it's kind of, you know, awesome to be able to take the Saturday and get something done. So speaking of loving being here and helping out, we do have Mildred back on the phone. Let's see if we can get Mildred on here with us and, and see what you got going on. Are you, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. And thank you for taking my call. Oh, you're very welcome. Two questions and it's pertaining to installation. One is that uh, this house, my house, was built in 1938, okay? And um, I I was just wondering, the, the first question was, is it, um, with it being a, a one-and-a-half-story, uh, is it good to have insulation blown in between each story? Can I have that done if it's possible uh, to, uh, you know, between the, uh, uh, yep. the main level and the upper level, which is considered an attic space, which is uh, really uh, finished off, but yet does not have vents in it. And the second question I have for you is that, are there organizations out there that uh, do for people that are not low income, but yet are modest income and, and a senior citizen's they can come through and do a uh, do a uh, I, I think it's called a, well you can see where uh, uh, heat is escaping. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, so so that one I, I don't know of any real organizations that you know offhand that do that. What you're what you're referring to is is an energy audit is what a lot of companies do and they can come in and they do this whole big test and and they you know put negative pressure air pressure on the house and they see where it's leaking and they use infrared guns and they can you know find out where you leak where you're insufficient and what you could really do um, to to help that house out you know energy wise and and maybe even energy savings and you know there there's some 
organizations out there that help with maintenance and, and keeping up with the home and painting and, you know, just doing things to the home for, you know, elderly and lower income uh, people that just can't keep up with the maintenance and everything. Um, and so there's organizations like that, but I don't know that any of those, you know, it takes a pretty technical skill and a lot of equipment to do those energy audits. So it is difficult, you know, and it is expensive to do. So I don't know personally of any of them that do that. Now, the question about the insulation between the living levels. So you kind of had mentioned that it was, it was like a living area, but it's also considered an attic space. Um, so typically the general rule between floors would be is you really don't need to insulate between living areas of the home when they stack up from the basement to the first floor or from the first floor to a second floor bedroom or, you know, living space area. What we focus the, all this insulation on is what we call the, the outside envelope of the house which is any exterior wall, any ceiling that leads to a true attic space that has ventilation and that, you know, is just as cold or just as hot in there as it is outside. That's the areas you kind of focus on. And basically the envelope of the home goes down the foundation walls and underneath the concrete floor, you know, is, would be kind of like where this surrounded area is. So typically between like living room and bedroom or second level living area, you, you would not need any insulation in the floor between those areas. Does that, does that sound helpful? Helpful, and, uh, and I thank you for your answer. But uh, my thing is I'm not low income. I'm a little bit above where I don't uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, income. That's why I was just wondering about the energy audit and all sure. the companies that might uh, do it uh, other than those because I don't qualify for the energy audit as far as uh, yes. lower income. And that's uh, that's where the I think a population that uh, uh, is outside and we're, you know, uh, basically... But I, um, but between my main floor and the upper area, attic area is a living area, mm -hmm. and it is with the um, energy. Um, um, since I don't have uh, ducts uh, ran up, I do have energy sources uh, pl uh, placed up there, and it's better on the second floor on the attic attic th than it is on the main floor. So I know that I do need so that need energy yeah. to find out where exactly is the coldest spaces. And I and I thought about it being winter, it being cold. It would be better than it would be in the summertime because in the summertime with brick and stone, you don't feel the uh, heat as much as you do the cold. When cold penetrates, it is really, really more heavy. And all, and I, and that's why I called in. Okay, no, perfect. I appreciate that. Um, thanks for the call. Um, keep your keep your uh, radio on because we've got a caller on the line. I'm gonna I'm gonna get Paul on here because he says he has some information for 
for your question about the energy audit stuff or one of those. So, hey, Paul, are you there? What kind of information do you have for us? Uh, I am, sir. How are you today? I, I'm great. I'm great. And I'm, I appreciate you calling in if you have information on this. This is great news. So there's an organization. Um, they're actually in Overland. Um, I guess it's CAA, STLC. Um, let me try to pull it up. Community Action Agency of St. Louis County, I think. Okay. Um, if she's a if she's a county resident, they do have a weatherization program uh, that she may or may not qualify for. Okay, that's nice. That's but good news. If if she can do a Google search of just CAA STLC, uh, she'll she'll find the information. I think she might be looking for. Awesome. Perfect. Hey, Paul, I really appreciate that. I love when the when the whole community gets together and answers this stuff because a lot of it is. What have you seen and what have you heard and, and what have you been around? And these things pop in and out, you know, all the time um, from that. So did you did you catch that, Mildred? And I knew about that organization, but the only thing is I don't live in the county. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. Yeah, and that's the downfall is you got so many stipulations to these. And, and you know, any more in today's age, you know, what they consider, you know, low income is probably like, I don't even know that it could be considered that, you know, it's like everything's so expensive anymore these days that they need to reconsider what their, what their levels they're qualifying people for help for and stuff, because you, you almost can't live off a lot of money anymore these days. You know, it's, it's, it's quite amazing, you know, everything going on. Um, but does that answer your questions for you, Mildred? It answers my question, but I still, if there's anyone out that can give me an input into the city because I, I uh, of the other or, any organization within the city that are are a private organization that do in it energy audit, I, I would love to uh, know who they are and uh, to uh, have them call in if possible. Yeah, absolutely, that would be great. So for everybody out there. You know, if you have any information here, that would be awesome. If you have any other questions, again, about your house, feel free to uh, give us a call here today, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120 from far away. I think we're going to get into our middle-of-the-hour break here. Ed, if you can hang on the line through that break, we can get to you next right after this. All right, we are back halfway through the first hour, just ripping right through this. It literally goes so fast. It's so much fun. Again, I'm Rich Orris, filling in for Scott Mosby today and and for everyone out there. um, I'm a senior home consultant for Mosby Building Arts, so I've been kind of run through the ringer and and, and washed and dried and, and, you know, put together by Scott Mosby himself, trained for the past 20 years with his company. So here to help you and and help get everybody through everything they got going on. So let's grab Ed on the phone here real quick. He's been on hold a little while. And Ed, what do you got going on for us? Thanks for calling. Uh, uh, Can you hear me okay? I can, sir. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because I'm on a landline. I'm speaking right into the speaker. So I I want you to hear this. Sure. I heard Mildred's call. Mildred and I are, uh, I'm 71 years old. Anyway, Mildred and I both live in the city of St. Louis. Sure. But I live in St. Louis Hills. 
do you see? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And it's different in St. Louis Hills than wherever Mildred is living. Do you see? Because I can just tell. Uh-huh. And it, yeah, but I'm going to tell you, the, my question is is about me. I own a two-family. I I have done things uh, listening to Mr. Mosby, and I've put uh, things to clean out my upstairs toilet, uh, 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 and I put like things that you'd put in a septic tank, and oh, it, yeah. it kind of in it. But it took. I didn't read the directions exactly, and it really blocked things up for a while. Do you see? I didn't oh, wait yeah. for six. But but then. Then I just waited and waited and waited, and after I had to throw water out, but I I could do it. It was good exercise, and 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 so everything has turned out perfectly. One day it broke loose. Do you see? It broke. Sure, good. But 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 I did everything right because there's a bathtub right next to it because the bathtub got blocked up too. But it was okay. I had another bathtub downstairs. I'd live alone, everything. Now, after everything got cleaned out, and everything got cleaned out, everything's running perfectly, the bathtub backed up again. Do you see? Sure. Because that pipe is smaller under the bathtub. Yeah, and sometimes they kind of wide together and meet, you know, a little further down the road, so they are can be connected underneath that floor just between me and you if you walked into my house and you looked at the downstairs unit and then you walked up to my unit and you were in the bathroom you would say what floor am i on they look identical the plumbing runs right downhill everything's off a little bit but it runs right downhill do you see but now i live upstairs you know, I'm saying, I know, I know it's a chemical problem. Do you see? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're talking about the Ridex stuff that you put in there? Yeah, I, and I got it from the hardware store, but yeah. I didn't read the instructions, and I just threw it in there cold. And it should, oh, no, I, should, I did it wrong. Do you see? Yeah. I did it wrong, and then I read it after the fact, and they said, but but I knew I'd be okay, and it took about a month for it to clear up. But I had another bathroom downstairs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I used the bathroom downstairs. I could go down to the basement and you know clean up. Are you know what I mean? Because I got sure. I got it's warm down there. That's where the furnace lives. So anyway, and now surprisingly everything was working fine, and now and now. My upstairs bathroom is backed up. Uh, my uh, my 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 bathtub is backed up because it's a smaller pipe. And, and I'm saying, well, if I just give it time, I know it'll go away. But is there like a chemical that I can put, like antibacteria or anti uh, whatever? Is because I'm, I'm I'm playing it from both sides. Do you see? I'm playing it. You're, I know I know the. Sure. Part. I understand the plumbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those those do, you know, usually in those older, you know, city homes, they do connect, you know, running sideways through the floor, that tub and that toilet, you know, those lines do kind of come together as it runs across the floor through that mud set floor and everything. Um, I don't know of anything that's necessarily antibacterial, but, you know, just your typical chemical, you know, drain clearing 
chemicals that you could put down may help do that, but I, I just don't know. You know, they break away clogs and hair and grease, but I don't know that they're meant for like an anti, you know, the, the exact opposite is the bacteria that eats stuff, but um, that could help you out. Otherwise, I would truly recommend just getting with like a, a local plumber, Roto-Rooter, somebody that, you know, one of those drain clearing companies that can come in and they got ones with water too now where they can just inject high pressured water and blow those, you know, lines open sometimes and everything too. So I hope that helps you out, Ed. I need to get on here and see if we can get Paul back on the line because Paul is, has waited a while too. He's got um, a question along with the help he had for Mildred. So Paul, uh, are you there? Are you with us? I, I am with you. Um, I just got a, uh, I guess, a quick question about my furnace and hot water heater uh, flu. Uh-huh. I guess there's somewhat of a clean out, I'm going to call it, on the foundation wall. And I was looking back there the other day and noticed there was a quite a bit of, uh, it was leaking pretty good. So I opened that little door and I cleaned out probably a half a five-gallon bucket of, I mean, it was there were some bird skeletons in there, a squirrel skeleton in there, what it looked oh, wow. like to me. But I'm just wondering, not so much about how that stuff got in there. I assume just through time, because I've lived in the house for 20 years, and I've never opened that trap door. I assume I'm supposed to do that occasionally at least. Um, but what's causing, I guess, that moisture to come kind of – it was kind of running down the wall and running towards the uh, – the drain where the where the washing machine runs into what's what's causing that that, that extra moisture I guess so um, well just condensation from your temperature difference if you've got air leaking around it and you know you're you're running really warm you know air from the heater and the and the water heater and everything up through there you can just get you know condensation around this this pipe and and coming down and everything but the, I tell you the other thing that can cause this is not having the right correct size pipe and not having the air you know travel through and go out as well as it should and and just not functioning like it should and if you're in an older home and you've got you know these this flue pipe going up it could actually be the wrong size in today's world as you've you know, gotten a new furnace and gotten a new water heater. And, you know, depending on how many BTUs they run and have kind of gauges, you know, how many BTUs gauges, how big you need that pipe to be. So, and that's kind of where, you know, flu liners have gotten, you know, such, so such relevancy today of all of these pipes were just bigger. Some are open clay square pipes. Some are just bigger, you know, round metal pipes, and they're just too big for what we're using today, you know, 50, 60, 70 years after they were put in. So they they look at the BTUs, they figure out what size pipe is going to work adequately, and, and making that correct is another thing that can help with all that water, moisture, and all of that stuff happening because it just makes it actually function better. Yeah, so I don't know that there is actually any kind of liner or pipe that goes up to the to the to the top of the I'm going to call it the chimney where the where the cap is at. It just seems like it's uh, an open, yeah. you know, space that was built by brick. I mean, I think they changed out the diameter of the 
of the pipe that goes from the furnace to the wall itself. But then I think from there going up to the outside of the house, I think it's just an open, open space. I think from yes. what I can see, I don't think they're, I don't think those, I don't think those, I mean, they, they could go into something else in the wall, but I don't think they do. Yeah, it could. It's probably just like a square, like 10 by 10 or 12 by 12 clay flue liner, you know, okay. going up and out the chimney. And so a lot of times if that's too big for the units that you have, they'll run a pipe inside of that pipe that's smaller, oh. that's the correct size, kind of like a big, long, flexible pipe they feed down in. They seal it off at the top, and then they reconnect everything at the bottom once it's down at the bottom. And then you've got the correct size pipe, and you'll get a lot less of that moisture, and you'll get way less of the birds and the things getting in there because they'll you know, cap the top of that new pipe to keep out water and animals and all that stuff from getting yeah, in I there. So I'd, I would start with that with an HVAC company. If you have one that you use and say, you know, Hey, is this flu liner working? Is it the right size? You know, is there something I should do for that? Is that, I guess, is, is there with that extra moisture, you know, coming down the wall and going towards that floor drain, is it any indication that maybe it's not venting properly or just, they're just, it's, you know, it's a size thing. Which that's, that's what's creating the moisture. I would say it's the size thing. And um, if you've gotten some bird skeletons and stuff in there, it's probably a little more open than it should be. <laughs> you okay. Know, letting, no, those, letting no stuff we recently, in. yeah, we, re, we recently had that tuck pointed. Actually, we've had it in the last 20 years. Oh, okay. We've probably had a tuck pointed twice. So, I mean, there's, there's a pretty good screen slash cap on the top. I don't think the birds and the squirrels are going to be able to continue getting in. I'm just good. a little bit concerned about, you know, at this point, is that moisture an indication of maybe the furnace and or, water heater because they're both connected to go into one pipe to go into the wall is is, is it not maybe venting properly and, and maybe causing you know issues within the house yes nope i would definitely say there's a good possibility of that and definitely have someone come out and check out that size and, and make sure you know see if they recommend a different size flu liner that'll work better for you okay very good Thank all you. right hey no problem you're very welcome great question paul and you know in these times, and it's so cold, that stuff will happen too. You know, it's just, it'll just happen um, with what's going on. And there's a lot going on with heating and cooling and, and all this stuff today, you know, during the winter. And, and these guys are definitely inundated. It may take, may take Paul a little while to just get somebody scheduled to come out. Like I was talking about earlier, you know, our HVAC you know, trade partner calling me like, oh my gosh, I don't even know when we can get to it. Let me talk to somebody who's there, see if it's something simple that they could actually take care of. And, you know, I had the same thing at my house not too long ago, uh, maybe, well, maybe a month ago, like right before Christmas where our heat stopped working. And, and you know, I, I know enough to be dangerous, uh, but I, I want to make sure, you know, I understand when to go to the right people and to the professionals and say, yeah, let me really make sure that, you know, I'm getting this right and I'm doing the right thing because, you know, gas fired furnaces and stuff like that, the carbon dioxide, all the different stuff, you want to make sure you, you handle this stuff right. But it was great because I contacted him and told him what was happening. And he was like, Oh, you know, try this. And basically, you know, the, the flame indicator, he said, take, you know, kind of explain where it was, take it out, clean it put it back in. He said, and then if it starts working, then that's all it was. And we'll probably just change that flame indicator the next time they come out to service it. But 
It's been working perfectly fine ever since then. So sometimes it can be something pretty simple like that. That's a pretty quick, you know, nice, easy fix for you, but not always. So I always would recommend contacting these professionals and getting to it. So um, we do have John on the line. If you can hang the line through the break, kind of the point where we need to take our final break for the hour here for everyone else out there, feel free Call in. Let's get some more conversations going. 314-436-7900. And we'll get to more of these calls when we return. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right. Rich Orr is here filling in today for Scott Mosby. So, Hope you guys don't mind. Hope I'm doing a good job. I absolutely love helping out. Love all the callers. Love the whole university of KMOX, like Scott always talks about, and getting help from the people out there listening and, and just, you know, getting some some information on top of the, the questions and the answers and everything. But let's start out with John here and see if we can get John on the line. He's been on hold for just a little bit. John, are you with us? I am. Thanks, Rich. You're doing a great job, by oh, the way. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. How, Big how you shoes doing? to fill. You know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I got a kick out of that guy down in South St. Louis. That, uh, he has an old house, and he's putting things down as old drains, and he doesn't even take the time to read the instructions. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> definitely good to read the instructions <laughs> and, and all of that. I need to give out Scott's little recipe for the Red X because it is pretty simple, and it's not a lot of it. You know, very little. Yeah. I've got an old home, about 90 years old, solid brick, two-story home. Okay. Uh, brick, and I'm talking about foundation walls that are very thick, uh, the, the old Pennsylvania limestone. Okay, yeah. Uh, above that is the brick that you see from the outside, tuck-pointed, and then you've got the little, um, you know, man-made, what do you call them? They, they have air in them, little blocks. Um, oh, like glass uh, blocks? Glass blocks, yeah, yep, sure. made out of clay, and then you go into plaster. Okay. Got a little sunroom that's off the front of my house, just to the left of the front of the house. It's a single-story room. It's so cute. It's about eight by nine feet. All windows, uh, except for the wall that uh, joins the house, you know. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and I want to go ahead. And what, what I had roof damage or in there due to a roof leak, which has been repaired a while back. But the south wall is still the plaster, still kind of falling off, you know, a little bit. Not too much anymore because there's no more water going down there. But what I'm going to do is put studs up on the walls and drywall that, like, and, and then have a guy, plaster guy come in and put a texture on it to look, make it look like the rest of my plaster walls in my house. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Great so, idea. number one. I wanted to ask you if you were going around that little nine by eight foot room, would you use steel studs in the walls going up eight feet, ten feet, whatever, or would you use wood? I mean, wood so stuff? for for us, typically we we would use wood just because we're carpenters, and in remodeling, we're just used to wood. Um, steel is is more commercial, but there are a lot of companies going into using steel you know, in basement framing and stuff like that. And we actually have a project manager years ago that came from more of a commercial setting that, you know, was like, oh, wow, we're not using steel. And I'm like, well, we're a bunch of carpenters. You know, wood is kind of what we've always done. And it does make it, you know, there's there's pros and cons to each because 
you know, the steel can go up just slightly faster and get put together a little faster, but then your electrician needs all the little grommets and stuff. So it's not cutting up his wires and, you know, in the wood, you just drill a hole and you can feed it through and, and there's not, you know, a lot of issues and you can staple to the wood and, you know, you okay. need the clamps and things. So it kind of like a little harder on the electrician, a little easier, you know, on some of the labor with the carpenters and stuff, but Typically, we would use wood just because, but today, steel may be way less expensive. I'm not sure. You know, oh, wow. really price okay. steel studs. I mean, as far as how the lumber's been going up and down in cost, you know, it's something worth looking into. I just didn't know, if, you know, from a temperature standpoint and to give. Now, here's the other thing. The main question I had for you was I, I'm going to put some kind of R, at least R15 insulation in between the studs, whether they're metal or wood. Sure. We're in St. Louis. You know what my how my house is built with no insulation at all, just those cylinders and the bricks outside and the plaster on the inside. Yeah. It, what do I do before I put those studs up with the plaster walls? Do I staple some plastic, a big thick mylar plastic? Because I don't want my insulation to get all uh, wet and gooey. I don't think it's going to because there's no more leaks in the roof. But I wanted to know how you would prepare the walls that you're never going to see before, the original plaster walls of that little room. So so what I would look at doing is, one, I would never put any type of vapor barrier, never plastic, any, you know, the thick mylar, the stuff, anything that doesn't let moisture vapor through it. I would not okay. use it on the walls. With the plaster behind it, what I would try and do, and, and the biggest thing we recommend is leave some space between the plaster and the new wall and leave a little air gap for it to kind of breathe. I um, will. I'll, I'll hold my studs out about a half an inch to an inch away from the wall all the yeah. way around. How's that? Yes, that would be perfect. And what we've done in the past, too, sometimes is you know, basically build your wall a little bit shy of the ceiling, and then you can, you know, use blocks to kind of nail it at the top, and then you've got like a, say, a three-quarter inch air gap up there, put a little crown molding against the top that doesn't touch the ceiling, that kind of leaves that air gap, and it can actually get some air, you know, to let moisture vapor and stuff like that out and kind of breathe a little bit, and that would keep things the driest that way but the problem with the the vapor barrier is you will actually you could get more moisture because of the cold of the masonry and then the warmth of the insulation and it traps the vapor in there creates condensation and makes it even wetter because of the plastic so st louis is just not a good town at all for a vapor barrier Okay, I will not put a vapor, vari- vapor barrier on that plaster wall. I'll hold out my studs away from the walls a bit. I'm not really sure if I'm seeing in my mind how you want me to have an air gap at the top of the ceiling, but I'll maybe there's something I can go look at on the Internet and study it because that's kind of a, you know, let air go back there. I'm not quite seeing that, but it's all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if you're attaching your wall to the ceiling, you know, at the top, you can – build your wall short and use some shims or like some one by, you know, blocks or something to Mm -hmm. screw up and attach that wall to the top just every so often. So if you've got a 10 foot wall, put a block, like maybe four blocks, you know, one every two feet and then attach it every two feet. 
But then in between all that, you've got this space where the space behind the wall is then open to the space between the top plate and the ceiling, and it just lets some air out. And then you can put a piece of trim or something that kind of dresses it up but doesn't seal or caulk or touch the ceiling so that that air could then breathe. Okay. Okay. Thank Sound you, Rich. Good? Hey, no yeah, problem. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. a million, man. Absolutely. No, great, great thing that happens all the time in these old city homes. The full masonry is definitely hard to deal with. Um, the, uh, the, the wall with the vapor barrier, I will tell everybody, the reason we're not good for that is um, if you are going to use a vapor barrier, you want it to be on the warm side of the wall. And here in St. Louis, that's outside, you know, during the summer and inside during the winter. So we're better off with a breathable barrier that lets vapor out. So that's kind of where that's going out. And I want to tell you, boy, we got a whole stack of calls here. We're going to get into our break, but we will start with Greg and everybody else on hold right after these messages. <laughs> 